Hey, welcome to SWAT Radio. Brad Sykes here with my good buddy Doug McCary. It is uh, Wednesday afternoon. It is scorching hot, but we are glad to be in the AC here in the studio. Doug, how you doing, bud? I'm good. It is hot. <laughs> All that heat that was in Mississippi has moved its way here. I was going to say. It, it, it has. Uh, and I guess there was a lot of heat coming out of Wyoming because Liz Cheney got thumped two to one. I was going to ask you. We didn't talk about it yesterday. Listen, but, um, back in I had tw- a, I had, I'd already read that it, it's going to be a, a wipeout. Yeah, not to get political, right? but right. just to make an observation. <laughs> back in 2020, she won with almost 70% of the vote. Now, that's just two years ago, Brad. Right, right. And so what's happened in the last two years... Uh, well, she was part of the January 6th thing, which is uh, really a sham. It is. The reason it's a sham is because you have one side uh, of the house won't allow other people to be on it. And really, they if, if we're really being fair about something, you let whoever from that party wants to be on it, whoever they think ought to be on it. Mm-hmm. So that's why the whole thing is a, a sham. If you look, and we talked a little bit, I don't know if we talked about it or not yesterday. I've been asked at least 10 or 12 times today, hey, you were in the FBI, right? You were in the FBI today. You always don't want to admit that you were now, right? Well, now you don't because of the, you know, guys like Strzok and McCabe and people who did some of the things that they've been doing for the last, you know, four or five years. But um, anyway, all that to say there's such a, I, well, you brought it up yesterday. Where do we go for truth? We were talking about that yesterday. And again, we go back to the Bible for truth. You know, the Bible may not speak to Peter, Peter Strzok and Andy McCabe uh, doing what they did in a technical sense, but it certainly speaks to principally things that took place. Um, and And you have people that are really like Pharisees living one way and then really accusing people of doing things that they're secretly doing. And that's the way it seems to go. And so uh, the people out in Wyoming spoke up and said, you know what, we're, we're done with this. We don't want this anymore. And, and they basically uh, voted in uh, somebody uh, to replace uh, Liz Cheney. I think you're going to see a lot of that, Brad, in uh, the election this year when we come to uh, uh, actually November. Well, I know we so. don't typically get real political, but I hope, <laughs> no. that's, I hope that's true. I yeah. hope that's true. Just throwing that out there for myself. How long has Liz Cheney been in office? Do you know? Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't, I'm not I'm, sure. I'm, I'm, I was thinking it was like 2019, January 2019. Do you know, I heard this yesterday, I read it somewhere, that when she went into office, her net worth was $6 million. Mm. She's coming out of office with a net worth of over $40 million. Well, now, I don't know. I don't know what you've been doing for the last three or four years, but uh, I didn't think politicians made that kind of bank. Does that kind of bother you a little bit? I mean, I don't know. It should bother us. But, you know, um, you know, uh, recently, um, the Gallup P- 
people who do polls ask people, do you believe in God? 92% said they did. All right, that's pretty astounding when you stop and think about it. 92% said they believe in God. But half that number, um, only only half, I'll say, have even taken a what, what you would call a basic step of joining a church or joining a synagogue or whatever. Um, and only about 40-something percent believe abortion is acceptable. But over 70% say, well, that's a woman's right to choose. Now, uh, well, we, we all have a right to choose. I have a right to choose if I'm going to murder you. <laughs> but that doesn't mean it's it's morally right. Right. Uh, it, it, you know, it doesn't take away a woman's right to choose to say it's wrong. She can choose to do something that the government says, we think this is wrong because it's taking a human life. Um, but you know, um, if, if you were told, uh, like, let's say I say, you know what, Brad, I believe in, uh, in the medical world. I believe in, you know, all the pharmaceutical stuff and I believe in, uh, doctors and all that, but I never went to see a doctor because every time I got say, well, I'm not going to see a doctor, um, would you think that I really believed in all that stuff? No, I wouldn't. No. And I, I, I think there's a, a vast difference between what people profess in this country and what they really believe. And that's one of the things we want to talk about on here. And we want to, you know, the Bible is not just so many people think it's a book of instruction um. And it's, it's just a book about rules, and it's a book about, uh, you know, how to be the best Brad you can be. But it's really a book that reveals God's unfolding plan and how Brad fits into that plan and how Brad relates to God and how Brad should relate to God. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, yes. uh, yeah. I, I think the way we um, we think of the Bible today as a culture is much more influenced by culture than it's influenced by historical interpretation of the Bible. Right. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 so why is that? Maybe that's the question. You know, why is, why do most of people, most people who believe in God would say that the Bible is a book of rules? Mm-hmm. I, I, I look at people who grow up in a country who are basically told from the time they grow up, what you do is all up to you. And God's people throughout history were not taught that. Throughout history, God's people were taught you were created by God, you were created for God, and he wants you to bear his name wherever you go. Hmm. Most people don't bear the name of God where they go. They try to do everything to further their name, to further their life, not thinking that God may want them to do something different. Uh, they don't even consider what God would have them do. Well, isn't, that, uh, <clears throat> isn't that the story of Babel, the yeah. Tower of Babel? We're yes. going to build a tower yes. uh, in our name? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yet we've been continuing to do that. In fact, I'm teaching out of Revelation 17 next week. Hmm. 
and uh, talking about the world, all the religions are going to be destroyed in the end days. Mm. You know, and it's it's this desperate desire. We've been talking about it here over the last week or two. Just that man recognizes that he has a need, but he searches everywhere but the true God to meet that need. Well, which is religion. It, 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 we are religious at the core. Well, we all worship something. That's right. We all want to worship something or someone. Yeah. And what we've been talking about this week is human depravity. What we we are told from Disney to everywhere else, you just got to follow your heart. Yeah. You're basically a good person. You know, we're basically good people. Uh, we, and the good people, you, you remember, I was thinking about Katrina as I was get, doing this stuff. You remember when Katrina hit and everybody got in the Superdome and all the trash and all the, the misbehavior, all that stuff happened? Yeah, I do remember. You want to see the true <clears throat> essence of people come out. You put them in a confined space with lots of issues like issues like no food issues, issues like you start to see real humanity. Uh, you start to see, I mean, listen, it's not that some people won't do some good, but I'm just saying that the, the, the real ugliness of us, when we see it, we see it on a, think about this, Brad, what happens when you're driving down the highway and your plans get um, rattled by a wreck? Most of us, don't think, oh, I wonder if those people are okay. Uh, maybe I should pray for those people. What we think is, oh, my gosh, look at this guy. This guy's going around, and he's going to wait to merge to right at the very end, and he's going to create all this. Why does he think he can do that? And I'm sitting there in traffic not thinking about the person who's in the accident mm-hmm. and the hurt they may be experiencing or the trauma. I'm thinking about the inconvenience to me because that's the way we think. Right, right. And and that, if if somebody cuts you off, your first instinct is, oh, you know what? Be blessed, brother. Go. If you're in a hurry, go. That's not what you think, is it? No, I have to be honest. That that is definitely not. Now, I may not say something. And in fact, we got into it yesterday and day before, just about the heart. You know, mm-hmm. the heart is desperately sick. It is. Listen, you cut me off on the freeway. That's when it becomes very evident that my heart is desperately sick. Now, mm-hmm. you know, it may I may not curse you out. <laughs> you know, I may not give you any hand signals, but in my heart, I'm angry. You did me wrong, as if, you know, I'm the center of the world. Mm-hmm. And that's really kind of what you're getting at here: is that we don't see God as the center; we see us as the center. I can't help but think of uh, you know. I know you're you're somewhat of a country music guy. Do you remember uh, Luke Bryan's song uh, "Most People Are Good"? Yeah, you know it's a it's a catchy song. It's a good song actually, but it's theologically wrecked. You know, as most country songs are. <laughs> Boy, we we went backwards, didn't we? Yeah. You know, but I think the the, the point is when we approach. <clears throat> the word of god do we see it as god's story you know he is writing that out and yet to your point we are to be image bearers of god yeah the bible's not just a tool to get me connected to god it is god's tool 
to show us who he is and how we are to connect to him, oh, and how we're to, to exist as his people here. Amen. Amen. Hey, glad you joined us today. Call us at 844-777-SWAT. That's 844-777-7928. If you have any comments or questions, we would love to hear from you. Send that to ask at SWATradio.com. That's A-S-K at SWATradio.com. We'll be right back. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing bad. Stood on this stage night after night. Hey, welcome to SWAT Radio. Brad and Doug here on this Wednesday afternoon. We're glad you joined us. If you want to join us live, you can call us at 844-777-SWAT. That's 844-777-7928. We'd love to hear from you. So call us. Well, you know, this week we are actually last week, this week, the next couple of weeks, we are in the middle of a series called The Gospel the good news according to Jesus. And when we look at that, it, it, it came out of a book uh, written by John MacArthur, that title, which he goes through and he looks at modern evangelism methods and the messages that we communicate to people about the gospel. And you and I grew up with it, Brad, being told, well, you just got to ask Jesus in your heart. Right. Nowhere in the Bible will you find that terminology. Mm-hmm. Because that that wasn't something they that they were told to believe in him as Messiah, to follow him. Uh, you know, Jesus didn't say to the disciples, you know, be, you know, just ask me into your heart. He said, "What? Follow me." Right. And as they followed him, he taught them kingdom ideology. He taught them what it meant to live as someone who the Holy Spirit came in and changed from the inside out. And today we're going to look at two passages where Jesus is speaking regarding this issue of total depravity. Because I I was fascinated as I looked through the Gospels. He doesn't really address total depravity 
throughout the Gospels, except I think in these two passages, which is quite all right. And he doesn't even call it that or speak Mm -hmm. like Paul did in Romans 3, where he says there's nobody righteous. He deals with it in Luke 13, um, where there were some people who asked Jesus or told him about Galileans, where's where Jesus grew up, those Jewish people whose blood, it said, Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. In other words, Pilate had killed them, I guess. And Jesus said, do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the others because they suffered in this way? They were killed as they were offering sacrifices or among their sacrifices. And he said, no, I tell you, unless you repent, you will always, you all will perish. Or he brings up another, or what about the 18 whom the tower in Siloam fell? So there were 18 people killed by a tower that fell on them. And he says, do you think they were worse offenders than all the other people who lived in Jerusalem? I know, I tell you, but unless you repent. So he's saying this. He's saying we're all in the same boat. We all are depraved. There's nobody good. The same thing Paul's saying, he's just saying it a little different using these two um, story analogies Mm -hmm. or these two real events that happen to say, you know, human beings are, have no, they have nothing to offer God. Uh, They're fallen. You cannot get to God on anything you bring on your own. Um, uh, You're, you're actually, in direct opposition to God. Right. And you go, you, you know, the initial person might go, well, you know, I don't, I'm not angry with God. I just don't believe in him or whatever. The God of the universe created you and he sent his son to die for you. And you, if you casually even entertain the idea of that, even in a casual way, see, we're more likely to affirm someone's casual entertainment of that idea today than in a somber way talk to them about it and i'm not saying we've got to look all droopy and everything but i'm saying this is a serious thing you're talking about somebody's could you imagine all right let's say brad's they you you were innocent but you're not but let's say you were just Mm -hmm. for argument's sake um and somebody uh knocked on your door and said we got a warrant for your arrest uh, for murder capital one murder and uh you're in danger of the death penalty and they take you down to the jail are you going to casually be thinking about that uh, is that going to be a casual passing thought well you know maybe i ought to do something about this or see if somebody can help me hmm. that's the way most people view their eternal destiny is with a casualness that says you know what yeah take it or leave it it's not that big a deal in fact, people even joke around, you know what, I'm going to hell, so I don't care. I'm just going to live the way I want. Right. That, right. that kind of thinking betrays a true belief that, one, we're all depraved and we're in danger of judgment. And, and, and so we just minimize what we've done. We minimize what God's done. And, uh, and we don't even acknowledge we need a new nature. Like you said earlier when you texted me this week, Mind, heart, and will. I mean, we need new everything. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. It, you know, when I think back to square one, you know, when you think, and it made me think about, well, I mean, people are very casual when it comes to God. 
uh, I think is it Tozer? I think it's Tozer who said, uh, "What you think about God is the most important thing." Yes, uh, about was. us. No, he said that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. A. W. Tozer. Yeah. When you really let that sink in a little bit, and and what do we know about God? Well, the only thing, what we do know about God is what has been revealed to us. I've got a Bible sitting over here. You got yours over there. Of course, we're also uh, even the heavens declare the glory of God. You know that we are without excuse. The Bible says, mm-hmm. and so we have a very casual. Uh, view of God, almost where we don't really grasp the the holiness. We we don't grasp the attributes of God. We don't really think about those things. When I say we we have a casual approach to it, mm-hmm. it's that God's just this, you know, impersonal, existing person. We just don't have a a sense of awe about him well even in a sense of and this is where total depravity comes in a a sense of a need for deliverance from from what's going on inside us in other words if you went to the doctor and the doctor said you have stage four cancer and i'm sorry to have to tell you this but you only have three months to live Nobody's going to walk out of there and go, oh, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I guarantee you, most people are going to go out. They they may go get a second opinion, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. they're not going to have a casual approach about it because they're going to immediately, especially if they have any symptoms at all, right? And so we show no need for uh, salvation and deliverance from the guilt of sin and the nature of sin. And the power of sin in our life. Yeah. Most of us think that we, we're we just okay. And I'm talking about in a pre-regenerated um, state. Right. Most people in this country who walk around who aren't believers, whether they're churched unbelievers or unchurched, are casual in that approach and that they don't give it a weightiness. And I think, Brad, that the church itself has diminished the weightiness of that need mm-hmm. because we've made Jesus more of a friend than a deliverer. Amen. And Amen. I mean, he is a friend. He is a friend of yeah. sinners. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong about thinking that, but he's much, he, he, he's the, he's the sacrifice of, for our sin. He's the, he's the one who gave it all. So we could be restored to the father. The magnitude of that is so diminished. If you just think of him as your drinking buddy, yeah. And that's what yeah. a lot of people yeah. do. Yeah. Well, and I think about, you know, we, you think, what if you gave the greatest material gift you could give to one of your children, Doug, and they just kind of brushed it off like no big deal. And then they, you know, maybe it's a new car or something. Maybe you, maybe you gave one of your kids a, a brand new car that you spent hours working to earn and to pay for, and then you see the very first day they have it, they just kind of leave it out in the street, they don't park it right. Maybe you see some some dings on it. Mm. I think you think you'd feel disrespected in some ways. 
And I feel like the greatest gift we're given from God mm. is his son, and we brush the son off. Mm. It's the word that became flesh. He gave us not only his word, but he gave us his son, mm-hmm. and we brush that off. To your point, there's there's no sobriety around that. No, there's not. And, you know, when you look at uh, John chapter 3, Brad, uh, it's the story of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a religious leader. He was not just a religious leader. He was a very well-respected leader, a ruler of the Jews. And, you know, if you read down, um, if you go to John chapter 3, and I, I really don't, uh, you don't have to read the whole thing, but if you look look at John 3, and just read, start in verse, um, I'll just summarize the first part. He comes to Jesus at night, and he asks him, he says, we know you're from God. Nobody can do these things you do unless God's with him. And then start in verse 3 yeah. and read down to verse 8 real quick. Yeah, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So Jesus is talking to him about a complete change of who he is, a new birth. And when we come back, I want to just touch on that a little bit and then look at what does that mean practically for us. Yeah, amen. Yeah, hey, call us today, 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-SWAT. You can also email us at ask at SWATradio.com. If you have a personal question for Doug, send that to Doug at SWATradio.com. We'll be right back. SWAT radio. You know, it's we, we sit in the studio, and I'm waiting for the light to come on, and it didn't come on. So I thought, well, maybe I'm supposed to hmm. hang on for a minute. Well, it's on now. So welcome to SWAT radio. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, Brad, we, we're in John 3, and we were looking at this issue of being born again. And uh, I, th- I think Warren Wiersbe had a really good insight. You know, today, you know, Nicodemus didn't get it. When Jesus right. was talking to him, 
He's like, well, wait a minute. Are you talking about me going back into the womb? I mean, because I can't do that. That's impossible. And Jesus said, no, I'm not talking about that. Uh, he was thinking about physical birth. Jesus was talking about a spiritual birth of a soul inside of you, a, a, a spirit inside of you that would would basically inhabit your body and grow in Christ likeness and 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 use your body to show what God looked like in somebody. Right. Right. And put God on display. Mm-hmm. And uh you know when Jesus told him, you know, you had to be born spiritually, uh Wearsby says, you know, just like there's two parents for physical birth, there's two parents for spiritual birth. There's the spirit of God where Jesus said unless one's born of the water and spirit, right? But there's also the Word of God. In James 1.18, uh, James says, Of his own will he brought us forth by the Word of truth, that we should be kind of a first fruits. And in First Peter 1, it says, Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. So you, this, it's the Spirit and the Word. The Spirit and the Word. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God, and when the sinner believes, then the life of God comes into that person and gives them new birth. And, you know, when you look in nature, Brad, you look out there and you see animals giving birth in the spring, um, whether it's watching lizards give birth or snakes give birth or squirrels, whatever it is, Nobody looks at that brand new creature and thinks of it as something that hasn't changed. It's new. This is a new beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet, for so many people, they pray a prayer. Oh, I trusted Christ when I was five. No life change, mm-hmm. no desire for God, no desire for his word, uh, no desire to be around God's people. Oh, but I'm a Christian because I pray to prayer. Yeah. So let me ask you something, Doug. <laughs> Let's say you're meeting with me for the first time. Mm-hmm. You and I, maybe we met somewhere, but now we're going to really kind of begin to engage in some discipleship. What What do you want to know about me? What's it, To you, what's the most important thing, the first thing that you need to know? Well, the first thing I'm going to ask is, uh, I, tell me about your journey of faith. How? Tell, I want to hear how you became a believer. Right. Uh, tell me how God worked in your life in that way. And and then when they share that, um, and, and I can't tell you the number of times somebody said, well, you know, when I, my parents brought me up in the church, and, um, and, you know, and so, and I prayed a prayer when I was a teenager. So I know I was saved, but I really made him Lord when I was like 32. Right. And there's a dichotomy there between some prayer they prayed and a surrender in their hearts to being changed on the inside. Because when you make him Lord, you don't make him Lord. First of all, he is yes, Lord. that's right. But, but I want to know their story. But then I ask him, so tell me about your daily disciplines. Do you read the Bible? Hmm. You know, or do, do you spend time with God every day? Well, not every day. You know, I, I, I try to. I know I'm not as good as I should be. Everybody always throws <laughs> that out there. Boy, that's that's total depravity right there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We're not as good as we should be. That's true because we fall short. But when we're his, there should be some desire to want to spend time with him. 
it's almost like it, it would be, Brad, like getting married, kissing your wife after you get married and say, I love you, and then don't talk to her at all. Right. No conversation, right. nothing, and that's your day every day. You come home and you say good night. You get up, you say good morning. No conversation in between. You're not going to know them very well. Yeah. So similar to me, if I'm meeting with somebody new, that's kind of the first thing I say. Hey, tell me, tell me your story. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm assuming you're a follower of Christ. Tell me how that came about. You know, and that's always kind of interesting because you you do hear everything from, you know, I I grew up in the church. I uh, I was a uh, what a acolyte or I was a whatever in the church. I, I did all these things. Yeah. And and I think, you know, we're we're looking for certain things, you know, surrender. I, I gave my heart to Christ, I gave my life to Christ on such and such date. And again, I'm I meet with a lot of guys they can't remember specifically the day. And that, that they, may be they, true. Not everybody can. Totally. I totally agree with that. The next thing I really ask is and this kind of throws people for a loop is how do you know you're a Christian? Mm-hmm. You, you just told me a little of your story, mm-hmm. which is really God's story, but how do you know you're a Christian? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know how to answer that. And then I usually add to that and say, well, you know, you, you're you a 25-year-old, you're a 30-year-old. You know, over the since the day you were born, there's been progress in your life. Mm-hmm. You've grown physically. You've grown intellectually. There are obvious things that tell me you're growing as a human being. Mm -hmm. But spiritually speaking, how do you know you're a Christian? Is there growth in your life? Yes. Because I think as the Spirit of God comes into a man, I think it creates, as you said earlier, an awareness of sin. Mm -hmm. We become aware of sin. Because when we sin against God and the Spirit is in us, there's conviction over sin. Well, there there is, and in fact, the Spirit of God, the the evidence of our salvation is the Spirit of God dwelling in us. I mean, Romans, I think Romans, uh, I think it's Romans uh, eight uh, nine, might be eight ten says anyone who does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to him. Well, how do you know if you have the Spirit? Right. It's not like you wear a patch on your arm. Right. That's why a lot of times all these people that want to go out and get Christian tattoos, no emails, I'm not condemning anybody who has <laughs> tattoos. I'm saying whether it's a T-shirt, a tattoo, a bumper sticker, you know, we don't want to put those things on if the Spirit's not in us. Right. right. Because that's people in, in other cultures – you know how people know who the Christians are? By the Spirit of God dwelling in them because they do things that are so abnormal. People don't go help people in need. People don't do this or do that for people. And people go, why are you doing that? Well, because uh, God loves me and that's what he commands me to do, to love my neighbor, and, and I want to do that. Uh, we've well, lost some of that, I think, well, with and COVID and everything. Yeah, and I think that's where you're getting at. And, and I think what... What uh, in this passage to Nicodemus is that um, if the Spirit of God is in a man and he's been born of the Spirit, if, if there's a spiritual birth, 
then there should be a spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. If there's a physical birth, there should be physical growth. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately what you're looking at, what I'm looking at, and we're not judging. I'm not saying, you, you know, because there hasn't been any spiritual growth, you're not a Christian. Now, it would cause me to be a very, be very concerned. Doug, we talked about this, I think, on Monday. We were talking about an appetite for the Word. Mm-hmm. You know, that I think in many cases, um, I, I've, I've wondered because I have such a love for God's Word, and I know you do too. I don't know that that was automatically there the next day that mm-hmm. after I surrendered my life to Christ. I think my appetite for the word of god was because somebody fed me mm-hmm. somebody somebody uh, discipled me somebody spent time with me now as i fed on the word of god slowly and surely i began to have an appetite for the word of god well you mentioned it yesterday brad you talked about i think it was yesterday was it yesterday you talked about the the milk yes all right so um when you, when you're a believer and you have this new birth right the christian should so the person who's a, a believer in in christ who the spirit has indwelled should have an appetite for the things of god you go how do you know that well you mentioned it yesterday i think in first peter like newborn infants yes. long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow if indeed you have tasted that the lord is good well Peter also says over in 2 Peter, and 2 Peter is a warning, by the way, but he says in 2 Peter 2.20, if after they've escaped the defilements of the world, that's that darkness that Mm -hmm. we were delivered from, Mm -hmm. through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, then the last state has become worse than the first. For it would have been better for them never known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandments delivered to them. Throughout Scripture, God's people honored and responded to his word. Those are, That's how, if you go back, go back and read the Old Testament and even the New Testament, uh, even in Hebrews, right? Right. Don't, don't neglect this word that's given to you. Don't turn from, it's, it's about re- receiving God's word in obeying it, not for the sake of earning his salvation, but when you obey it, you you prove, you give evidence that the faith in you is real. Yeah, yeah. And when you don't yeah. obey it, it's like you're saying, you know what? Yeah, he's God, but I don't. I, I'm going to do what I want him to do. Almost like a teenager. We're a bunch of teenagers, really. Yeah. Because what do teenagers do? You parents out there, you understand what I'm saying. You tell your teenagers <laughs> to do something because why? You have experienced it. You know what's going to happen, and you tell them and warn them about it, and they say, I'm smarter than you. And that's what a lot of people do with God. I mean, yeah. they, they, God knows what he has designed, and he has laid his word out to help us. And we go, you know what? I'm going to be my own boss. I don't want to surrender to him. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, we are so glad you joined us. Uh, you may want to jump in on that conversation. You start bringing teenagers into the mix. Oh, you yeah. Know, you, you may get some calls. Call us at 844-777-7928. That's 844-777-SWAT. You can email us at ask at 
SWATradio.com. You can email Doug at SWAT at Doug at SWATradio.com. By the way, you can go to the website, www.swatradio.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk. We'll take a quick break. Be right back. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. I push, I pull, go back and forth, finding myself. Pounding on a locked door, I try to make it out alone without your help. But I know I never win this war. I can never be, never be free without you. I can never be, never be me without you. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. Brad Sykes and Doug McCary on this Wednesday afternoon, and we are getting into some deep deep stuff yeah (laughs) talking about the depravity of man but talking specifically about being born again when you are born again when you're born for the first physically Mm. the natural result of being born is that you're going to grow physically Mm. you're going to grow intellectually Mm. um the natural uh the natural progress of spiritual birth is spiritual growth in fact, uh, you know, we're talking about the gospel according to Jesus by John MacArthur. Doug, I just jotted down some, some of my favorite quotes in here. But he says, if repentance is genuine, we can expect it to produce observable results. Mm-hmm. There must be a sincere change in one's lifestyle. It's not what you say. It's how you live. And you're not saved because of how you live. You live as a result of the fact that you've been saved. Well, Brad, when you think about we talked about this earlier, this is why it's so important when we share the gospel with people or we talk about uh, people's need. Uh, we, we, we want to un- help people understand that the, the goal of sharing the gospel with people is not just a heavenly fire insurance policy. It, the, when Jesus came and died, he not only destroyed the penalty of sin, he destroyed the power of sin in our life. Mm-hmm. And so we now have an ability to say no to sin uh, because of the supernatural uh, guidance of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't make sense for people <laughs> 
Because it's a faith thing, for by faith are you saved. And I love what Christ does, or what John does, actually, uh, in the Gospel of John. When John, remember, when we're reading the story of Nicodemus, who's telling it? It's the Apostle John. Mm -hmm. He's kind of telling us what's going on. And what does Jesus say to Nicodemus, this guy who would have been well-versed in the history? He's get, he's been talking to him about new birth, and, and he'd have been well-versed in the history. He tells him, he says, listen, just as Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And he's giving him an insight to faith, not works, faith. See, people want to say the gospel according to Jesus is about works. It's not. John MacArthur would disagree strongly that the, the he is not telling people you've got to earn anything. He is telling people in the gospel according to Jesus that Jesus did not dilute the gospel. He did not uh, make it user-friendly. He, he proclaimed truth. And when he was with this religious leader, he said, you're supposed to be the teacher. And yet you don't understand this stuff. I mean, Jesus wasn't pulling punches and he tells him, Hey, just as Moses lifted up the serpent, I want you to think for a second, Brad, what it must've been like for Joshua who was with Moses at the time. Right. Moses, why are you making a, 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 a golden snake or a bronze snake? Why, why are you making this idol? I mean, why, why are you doing this? Well, cause God told me to. God had instructed Moses what to do. Moses cared more about what God thought than about what men thought. And when we have this new birth, we have a new allegiance to God over people. So when your boss says, hey, you can't do that here, you can't have that ideology here, you say, I'm sorry, that's who I am because I'm a creature of Christ. Just like in the Marine Corps for me, when a guy told me, you can't do that here, I'm, I'm sorry. That's, I'm talking about Jesus. I love Jesus. And if they can talk about this, I can talk about this. That's who I am. It's not just a compartment in my life. I am his, and I recognize I'm his. And so when he said to lift up, just as the serpent was lifted up, what he's saying to Nicodemus is, Nicodemus, It's not about what you do. It's having the faith to look to me for your needs spiritually, for the power over sin and all those things. And so as we think about our total depravity, uh, because, by the way, if you want to go look up that story, it's in Numbers 21 that tells that. But as we bring it back around to total depravity, we all – what – why did they have to look at the, the bronze snake? What was going to happen to them if, if they didn't? They were going to die. Yes. They were going to die. They, were, they had snakes in their midst as a judgment from God. Mm-hmm. Why do you and I die today? Why, why is there death in the world at all? Sin. Yeah, because of judgment of God. Right. It's a curse. It impacts every one of us. Right. 100 out of 100 are going to die. Mm-hmm. Je- well, actually... 99.999, because if you count Jesus because he was fully human, there, then there's only been one. But Lazarus, even though he was resurrected, died. Yeah, yeah. 
that the widow's son, <laughs> even though he was resurrected, died again. We all die as God's judgment, and we will not only die a physical death, there will be a spiritual condemnation for eternity according to what God's Word says. And this goes back to what God told Moses. Moses, this is what I want you to do. It doesn't sound, man, why would I make a, a, a bronze snake? Well, because I told you to. When God told Joshua to walk around the city of Jericho seven times, that's the most foolish battle plan I've ever heard, to blow trumpets. Or but, how about Abraham, take your son and go kill him. Yeah, that, those things are foolish in the eyes of man. Right. But when God instructs us, that's why people who say, I don't care what God's word says. You know what? That's just written by a bunch of men. They dismiss God's word to us. Do, do you know Jeremiah was just a man? And I'll tell you what, the people who disregarded his word paid a heavy price. Yeah. Because God uses men, and he has written his word. It's over 1,400 years this book was written from Genesis to Revelation. It has one main point, that we are all in need of a Savior, and that Savior and Messiah and Lord is Jesus and Jesus alone. He's the only one. And so we can choose to be self-led, self-righteous, and ignore God's rightful place in our life as a ruler. And we're going to receive his punishment for our rebellion. And his punishment is going to be death and eternal judgment. Uh, we can ignore the fact that he created us and made us to be dependent. But that's going to lead us to places that we ultimately don't want to go. And if you're out there today, maybe you've played church, maybe you've been there. You know, maybe you didn't have it modeled for you. For whatever reason, today you're listening to this either through a podcast or through a live broadcast. You just turned it on and, and you go, you know, I, I thought I were a Christian. I thought I believed. I prayed a prayer. But God's word has no value in your life, really. You really need to ask God, God, change me. Change me. It doesn't have to be a fancy lead prayer. Yeah, uh, there isn't really a sinner's prayer. <laughs> no. The thief on the cross just said, remember me. Yeah. Think about the simplicity yeah. of yeah. that. Well, I think of the, the rich young man who came up to Jesus and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? I think of Acts 16 where the where the jailer said, after after the shackles have opened you know, on Paul and Silas and the earthquake, he comes running in and says, what must I do to be saved? Mm -hmm. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Exchange your life for his. Die to yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's not language people want to hear today. No. I want Jesus to save me, but I don't want him to rule me. And, and what we've had happen is this easy believism that really... It's superficial believism yeah. is really a better yeah. word for it. And that was why MacArthur wrote that book is because people would actually say, well, you know, he prayed a prayer. He never showed any fruit in his life, but we know he was saved because he did pray a prayer when he was yeah. a young child. 
Uh, and think about what MacArthur said. He said, uh, "Be on guard against c- conversions that are all smiles and cheers, mm-hmm. with no sense of repentance or humility." Yeah, that is the mark of a superficial heart. It is. It Did is. you ever make your kids tell their mom, "Go apologize to your or, mom. or each other or to yeah. each other"? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that, that's a superficial apology. It is. And we're not talking about apologizing, but in a sense. It's confession and it's repentance. Mm-hmm. And that's an ongoing lifestyle, to be honest. It is. It is. And, and, it, and it's something that results from a supernatural birth. That's right. And, and what Jesus told Nicodemus, go read that. Go get your Bible tonight. Turn open to John and just ask God to help you see what he's saying to Nicodemus for you. Hey, we only got a minute left, but Brad, I want to tell people... Uh, we normally have guests on Thursday, but this week we have Pete Alwinson. Dr. Pete Alwinson is going to be our guest. He's been developing men for over 40 years. He, he wrote a book called uh, Like Father, Like Son, How Knowing God as Father Changes Men. And uh, he, he's taught uh, theology down at Reform Seminary in Florida, uh, in Orlando. And uh, he's been a pastor He's, he worked with Man in the Mirror. He was one of their first speakers, uh, along with Pat. Uh, what's his name? Pat Morley. Pat Morley. <clears throat> and so uh, uh, he's going to be our guest on Friday. Uh, Brad will be uh, here tomorrow uh, with uh, somebody to talk about <laughs> discipleship uh, in the context of dealing with our depravity, because we have to deal with it every day, don't we? That's right. That's right. And That's so. Uh, uh, Brad, thanks. It was a good, good discussion today. Yeah, I love it. Uh, you guys tune in tomorrow. We're gonna have a, we're gonna have a heated conversation. Hope you'll join us. SWAT Radio. Take care, Doug. Yeah, take care. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening 